This is Belonging, a podcast that explores being alive in the age of loneliness. I'm your host, Becca Piastrelli, and I mentor space holders, kin keepers, and circle facilitators to be catalysts for belonging in their communities while also generously resourcing themselves at the same time. I am also a mother and land steward of a farm on the ancestral lands of the Mohican people in the present day Hudson Valley of New York. In this podcast, I explore topics like cultivating meaningful community, seasonal and cyclical living, ritual and rites of passage, and what it means to be a good ancestor in these times. I have thought-provoking conversations with friends, teachers, and elders to help support you in reorienting your life towards a legacy of regeneration and reconnection that breathes life into future generations. I also pop in here and there to share updates and learnings from my own story, because we were meant to do this together, cosmically holding hands as we walk the spiral of life. You can expect to be challenged by new or old ideas, face your beliefs and what systems informed them, get curious and brave to tell the truth about the deeper, harder things, and feel comforted in the knowing that you don't have to navigate it all alone. For show notes and links mentioned in these episodes, and to sign up for Slow and Seasonal, my once-in-a-while email newsletter, head to BeccaPiastrelli.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Belonging Podcast. It's Becca Piastrelli here. This week, I want to share another interview with you, with a fellow Becca, Becca Rich, aka the Holistic Time Coach. This is someone I've been like low key stalking on Instagram, like soaking up all of her content, loving her mini podcast episodes, just loving what she has to share. And I had some questions for her that were definitely self serving, but if they're serving me, they're probably serving you around my relationship with time. So, who is Becca? Becca Rich is a visionary cutting through the BS of the billion-dollar productivity industry. As a trauma-sensitive, certified holistic coach with a background in engineering and mindfulness, she knows traditional time management is outdated and harmful. She helps business owners and professionals sustainably make the most of their time and lives with holistic time management. You can learn more about Becca at theholistictimecoach.com. And if you go to the show notes at uh, belongingpodcast.com, I'll share a lot more, including the two blog posts of hers that really impacted me and excited me in a lot of ways. So we talk about a lot of things. We talk about her perspective on time, that it is everything and that it is short, but it is also long. She coaches me through my own time anxiety and feelings of grief at the loss of freedom with having a child. We talk about finding satisfaction or contentment at the end of your day and embracing a digital calendar liberation practice, which I super nerded out on, how to deal with overcommitment and overwhelm, and the importance of respecting our natural cycles and working with our bodies, minds, and spirits instead of forcing them into a rigid structure. A lot of this has to do with unlearning like what's been programmed in us, what's been enculturated, what's been inherited around our beliefs, around time and our calendars. And it's a real reclamation practice 
I did an episode with my friend Stephanie Berg several years ago that I'll link in the show notes about time after we both read a book called It's About Time by Leslie Keenan that really supported us. And my relationship to time has changed with having a child and feeling like a very real scarcity around it. And I know I'm not alone with that. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Becca Rich. I've had a few people reach out and say, hey, I want to I want to expand upon these topics. I want to engage in dialogue with you and anyone else who wants to who's listening. And so I've been like, where can we do that? And I think it's, I usually post, I mean, I, I do, I post a reel or a post on my Instagram feed with every episode that I do. And let's take it to the comments. So if you have, there's a point that's made that is particularly resonant or something you want to expand upon or ask more questions about, head to my Instagram, Becca P. Estrelli and just scroll to find that episode and let's chat about it there. Okay. Enjoy this conversation with Becca Rich, AKA the Holistic Time Coach. Becca Rich, welcome to the Belonging Podcast. Becca and Becca chatting today. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Becca Squared. (laughs) I love it. I'm so into it. It's very Leo of me. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're AKA, Becca Rich, AKA the Holistic Time Coach. I'm so into you. (laughs) Just going to come out and say it. I love everything you talk about. Um, You have a podcast called Not Too Productive, which I think is just the best name. And we're going to get into time today, but I'll just say to orient myself and anyone else, I met you through Bear A Bear's Marketing for Weirdos. Mm-hmm. course where you presented a magical spreadsheet for how to price your work and your offering calculated is what it's yeah. called right yeah. and I was like oh I love a tool and so I started following you and here we are we chat all the time and now we're talking about time so thank you yeah. again for saying yeah. yes you're coming to us from Brazil yeah Pipa Brazil <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we were just talking about weather, like I do, before we got into this. We're humans. This. It's it's how we initially connect. How how hot is it there or cold? <laughs> yeah, that's very animal-like of us, totally. Yeah. Okay, well, I love talking about time. I'm going to link in the show notes to an episode I did like four years ago with my friend Stephanie Berg about time, where she and I had both just read the book, It's About Time by Leslie Keenan. Do you know this book? I do, but I have not read it because my brain hasn't let me read nonfiction for over a year now. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, yeah. I just remember it really helped me understand that there were like different kinds of time and it it helped me a lot with my time anxiety. This was pre-having a child. Mm-hmm. I've had a child. We've gone through like major stuff like pandemic and anyways. So I find that I have come back on the spiral of life to feeling curious and confounded by time. And so I'm just so down to talk to you about it because I think you have the gift of speaking to it in a way that I think is really digestible for so many. So Becca, what is your take on time? (laughs) I love... I just want to say my uh, love language is words of affirmation. And so thank mm. you for helping me feel mm-hmm. loved and hyping me up. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got it. Really get into me. Yeah. My take on time 
time is everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Time is our life on this planet, this human form in this one body, this one life, but it's also the history of the planet and the universe. And so it's like so much bigger than just us little ants roaming around on this rock. It's also intergenerational. And so how our ancestors and our and society, our culture, you know, it connects with time that also shows up in our relationship to it as well. And I I look at time as as sort of this thing that is us, but is also not us. <laughs> Mm. right it's outside of us but it's also inside of us it's our bodies but it's each other and so it's this thing that's like a morphing blob that moves around and we if we touch it it moves and morphs and changes it's super fluid and that's the beauty of it but that's also why it's so confounding and, and perplexing for a lot of us and you know many of our brains I'm a Virgo type a engineering by degree So I want to put it in a cute little box, spreadsheet, calendar, whatever. But when I sort of took a step back and was like, oh, this thing, I can't really put it in a box in the way that I want to. I need to shift how I work with it, how I team up with it or collaborate with it. Those are some of the words that I use instead of time management. And Mm. when we collaborate with something that is us, which is also not us. We have agency and control over parts of it, but other parts we do not. We start to become more at ease with it and and have a healthier relationship to it. Yeah, I wish that for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I like philosophically, I'm just like, wow, yeah. Yes. Right. And I find like rubber meets. (laughs) Yeah. But then like rubber meets the road. I mean, I'm in a time of my life, a season of my life where there just is less time. That is my experience. And if I'd love for you to challenge me and help me with that, reframe that. But the, the truth of my feeling is I have less time for the things I want to do because the things I need to do are taking up more time than I'd like them to, basically. And so, I mean, pre-child, I had this experience of time where I felt like I, I sort of had it figured out in a way. I felt like I could bend time, make it. I had those days where I was like, oh, time stopped. And and I, I feel like I have that lesson. I, I feel like my listeners – might have the same experience and perhaps their clients of just like feeling like um like a victim of time or that they have time anxiety. I also feel the pressures of like our culture, the productivity pressures. I also feel a different like I'm such a cyclical being. Like I literally like my menstrual cycle impacts me extre- like extremely. And I find that when I am like follicular ovulating, I feel a lot of pressure to make the most of that time when I'm more outward and I have more energy, I'm less fatigued, I get like really intense fatigue when I'm bleeding. Mm -hmm. And so all of this is just to explain my felt experience of time in this season of my life. And my question for you is like, how do I break free from that? Yeah. Yeah. And is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. I 
first and foremost, like validating that your felt experience is real. Like mm -hmm. to sit here, you know, a lot of people maybe in the time management or productivity spaces are like, no, you do have time. And there's sort of like an invalidation thing that yeah. we receive, but we also do to, to ourselves, right? Like, so I just want to really validate and, and say that that is real. You know, when I was talking philosophically about like how much we have agency and control over versus what we don't. And when you, I am not a parent, I have an inner child, but I am not a parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just from my own experience with clients that are parents, like your agency over the percentage, let's say, of your time definitely changes 100% mm -hmm. because you are responsible for another human being's life and time. And so that is so important. And when we sort of come to terms with maybe we have less agency in this season of our life, then it's all about what do I want to do with that percentage that I do? And like, so there's some acceptance there. There's some grieving potentially, which is really key, I think, with time mm -hmm. that I find so much grieving over the amount of stuff that we want to do, but we can't, or um, the amount of agency we truly have over our time in our life. Work is another great example of, of a lot of folks like struggle if, if you have a nine to five or, you know, you work for somebody else is similar, like not the same, but it's similar in terms of percentage over agency. So I, I'm going to throw a question back at you <laughs> and ask, like, what do you do for yourself? Like when you feel like a victim of anything in general, like what, what have you done in the past? Like what has helped? When I felt a victim, um, talking about complaining, venting. Yes. <laughs> like expressing in some way, like in spaces, in circles, to a friend, on a podcast, just like expressing so it's not like holding me hostage in some way internally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. So because I do like inner child parts work as well, like I often think of like there's a part of me that is a victim that feels like a victim and so when we see and validate and hear that part of us then it morphs and changes into another experience or another feeling mm -hmm. right so maybe that's enough and then it's like okay I got that yeah. part of me seen and validated now you know I have x amount of minutes how do I want to spend it how do I want to feel and then oftentimes we can move into that space with more I don't I don't really like the word empowerment but just agency or like just excitement or um, appreciation mm. for that time that's so true I talk to a lot of parents who have a similar feeling of me which is like grieving that like former freedom time freedom mostly that that we once had when we were child free and I all we always just talk about how important it is to like speak to it, to just be like, I really miss being able to like, what do I miss? Maybe this will help me. Yeah. <laughs> I really miss weekends of doing nothing. 
I really miss it. I really miss like waking up and being like, what do I want to do today? I really miss the hours of 5 to 8 p.m. being about like (laughs) long, slow dinners or Mm. working a little later or doing whatever the fuck I want to do. That those time that time period is like acute parenting time for most parents. I really miss that. And I really miss like being able to work more. There's something about this work is so nerd. It's mine. You know, this work I do is like based on a mission and a vision and it's mine. It feels like ancestrally healing for all the ancestors, specifically the female ones who just like could never make their own money, could never do their own passions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, I sometimes feel like coveting, like holding, tensing around it and wanting to like work more. So there's, yeah, that's grief. I miss that. I miss that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that. And mm-hmm. I it's funny. I, I was literally journaling about this this morning. Is there any small or practical ideas, like just brainstorming doesn't have to happen, how you might invite your family into this new way of like being, you know? Like, how can you invite your mm. son into slower dinners? And you have a son, right? Sorry. Daughter. <laughs> Daughter. I'm Daughter sorry. Daughter with a, with a boy's name. It's fine. <laughs> a creature, a beautiful creature of my you body. You have a lovely yes. human. <laughs> yes. and, um, Better than creature. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beautiful, lovely human being. And, like, inviting them into slow dinners or do nothing weekends, even if it's just an hour or, like, you know, mm. like, do you, does anything ring a bell or like come forward as something that you might try? Yes, I love that. I love that of inviting. Yeah, my whole actually, we sort of do that. I just haven't seen it that way. Mm. We actually do not schedule our weekends a lot because we find when we do, there's a lot of they don't go accordingly. And then we feel frustrated and tense and sometimes like resentful. And so we do, that's what we do is do nothing weekends. Actually, we get frustrated when we have a birthday party we're invited to because what we really want to do is like follow the winds of our desires. I guess I've just seen it as like, but we're parenting instead of being like, oh, we're, I really feel that we're actually in this way of being that's way more intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful and important insight. Hmm. Thank you, Becca. Yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> I would like to talk about the feeling of satisfaction at the end of a day. Mmm. Juicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This um, this little thing we just chase after. Those of us who resonate with that feeling, right? Of I just it is such an interesting. I guess I want to say like carrot at the end of the stick, right? This, and I, and I am doing so much unlearning in my process of like seeing the way this like overculture of like productivity obsession and like self-judgment works its way 
through me, even now after being in this work for over a decade of just being like, wow, those are some interesting thoughts. And the feeling of disappointment I default to at the end of a day, if I don't accomplish, sometimes it's not even everything on my list, which is always an unreasonably long list, but also just like, I'm, I'm, it's like a hit. It's like, I'm chasing a hit of feeling like I did a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to achieve the feeling of satisfaction at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The, my word for this year is contentment. And so Mm -hmm. the first funny little joke that came across my brain, my playful inner teen maybe was like, I don't have any answers for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, the thoughts that I do have about it is attuning to the inner critic or the conditioned mind, whatever you like to call it. Noticing the thoughts of like, oh, you're telling me that I got nothing done today, but the evidence proves otherwise uh, was a really helpful ritual uh, I did for about two, two-ish years. It's shifted and morphed into something else for me now, but I quite literally wrote down everything that I did in a day for almost two years in, in a paper planner. So instead of using that planner to plan or like write my list, I would just open it and write down everything I did do. And just doing that is similar to like gratitude lists, but it's more just like evidence, which I needed. I didn't want to like force gratitude and be like, I'm so thankful and let it, you know, I was just like, no, like literally what did I do? And most of the day or not most of the days, but some days, especially on those days where you are low energy or on your cycle, you know, everything went wrong you still, as a human, got a ton of things done. You still did a ton of things. You probably showered or maybe you ate or you watched Netflix or you just breathed. You just survived Mm -hmm. the day. And so that was, I had to reframe the, the have done list to like just give my brain the evidence of everything I did do. And it when you actually sit with it for just even a second, not just write the list, close the book, keep moving. When you sit with it and you're like, oof, like I actually did all of, I showered, I ate, mm-hmm. I talked to my best friend, I went for a walk, I did X, Y, Z for my work. That shifts something in my body and you have to be really present with that, right? And which takes time. It takes like an intention of carving out the space to like feel in your body the sensation of satisfaction. So maybe that's a huge piece of it is like, it's not about how much you do. While that is an important piece, it's just about taking the time and space to, to let it sink into your bones, into your body, like feel the sensation, uh, get it, it, you know, connect and learn what it feels like to actually be content or satisfied in your body. Do you, do you have mm-hmm. any like physical sensations that come up when, when you're satisfied with your day? I think I feel like I could take a deep breath. There's something about the holding of breath if I feel discontent. And it also f- feels like um, a joy, like a pride almost. Mm. Like a delight, like mm. a giggle, like, ah, yay. Yeah. A little excitement, butterfly, like a good butterfly kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So just like noticing 
the sensations and this is the somatics work coming in here of noticing when you feel a certain way, discontentment or contentment, you know, satisfaction or dissatisfaction, what that feels like in your body and then connecting with maybe the conditioned mind or the thoughts that might not be accurate or real, right? That, that might not have the full picture if there is any of that dis- discontentment or dissatisfaction. And those are like more of like the mental, fe- like feeling emotional kind of stuff, but also tangibly, like I quite literally use my digital calendar to like prove to my brain that I've done enough. And so adding in all of the things, including lunch breaks and morning journal time and all, all the things into my calendar, I feel like I've done enough because I can actually see it. Okay. I really want to talk about that. <laughs> Before I do, I just want to say, did everyone hear this really powerful ritual you can implement right now, which is at the end of the day in a planner or on in a journal, a blank journal, writing down everything you accomplished and including the things that you might not typically or the overculture might not typically seen as productive, but is actually things you have done. This is a great tip. I also follow a man named Nick North, We the Norths on Instagram. And he does a thing sometimes when he's up to it on Instagram where he does a did it list at the end of a month. And I did it list. And it's just very cool to even just like, I love watching people do stuff. And I was just like, wow, look at everything he did. Yeah. I'm so happy for you, Nick. Yeah. I thought we could, we, that's another one. Type yeah. Of I love that. We do so much more than we think. That's like the huge problem here. Oh. Our brains are distorted yeah. by conditioning, right? And you, you made yes. a really great point too that I wanted to like expand on or maybe touch on if that's all right. Yeah. Is yes. We only put work or what it, we, the culture sees as typically productive on our lists or on our schedules. That's why we feel like we don't get enough done because you have a human or maybe little humans to take care of on top of yeah. your work, on top of everything else. And so when you make holistic schedules or to-do lists, you see it all. Yeah. And the last episode I just published, which is not out when you and I are talking, but last week, if you're listening, I talked about how I have had this experience of compartmentalizing the different roles and jobs I have in my life and how that's been my way to like survive this season of life. And I'm glad I have that skill. And it creates an amnesia around my knowing and understanding everything I do, which is a sneaky way of like those negative, um, harmful thought stories coming in of I'm not doing enough or I'm not deserving of celebration, whatever it is. But like literally forgetting that like one of my jobs is taking care of myself. One of my jobs is like constantly holding the mental load of like I'm the primary parent in every way of my child. I manage a renovation, a huge, I manage a farm and then I run this business. And when I look at all that, I'm like, damn, Becca, that's a lot. You got like 10 jobs. (laughs) Well, in manifesting generator style, I like it. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yes. I like it. And the places where I feel some suffering, I want to heal, which is around, yeah, contentment and like right-sizing my days and schedules and 
setting myself up for success and all that. So that takes us to digital calendars because I I want to I want to know the details of what you do. Um, and I also know you have a course coming up called Digital Calendars for Humans, which I'm so stoked for because I I feel like I'm probably almost there and I just need some tweaks and it might be like actual like tactical tweaks, but also it might be mindset tweaks because what I find I'll let you speak in a second. But what I find is when my calendar looks full, even if it's like drink water morning, you know, like lunchtime and play with Atlas, like morning ritual, all these things, my brain still codes it to like a lot of things and I get really overwhelmed. So I'm asking in a non-linear way. Maybe we can start there. For those of us who are maybe have a little bit of like lowercase PTSD from like corporate life around a full calendar of like calls and meetings, how we can embrace a digital calendar liberation practice. Yeah. Yeah. So my brain immediately sees a bell curve. (laughs) Okay. So let's imagine, you know, at the beginning of this bell curve, you don't use your digital calendar at all. And then you start to use it, but you just put work, like your main job that pays your bills in it, or your, you know, your business, your meetings, that's usually where people start is just putting their their scheduled calls on their schedule. And then there's this beautiful top of this bell curve where you have holistically put in yourself, your family, like all the aspects of your life, the compartments or priorities, whatever you want to call it, in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. And it really helps you feel like you've got everything under control. You know what goes where, nothing's falling through the cracks. And then falling down is when you put too, too much that it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It visually hurts to look at. And the part of you, most of our inner teens are like, fuck that and rebel and don't Mm -hmm. even want to use it. Right. So that's sort of like Mm -hmm. this beautiful bell curve that we we have to find this like sweet spot of like, how do we be holistic and encompass really, truly our entire lives in it without getting to that point of wanting to rebel? And so starting small, like if you don't use your schedule at all or you use it just for meetings, it's just like. What if you added one or two things like a lunch break or your morning routine or a workout or something and just start to get comfortable using your digital calendar to help you follow through with the, the things that aren't your work, the things that are equally productive in my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that society may, may not have told you was productive. And then, you know, eventually it starts to morph and you you start to find this rhythm and this groove with your digital calendar where you're, you know what to add to it and what you don't need to add to it. For example, flossing. I am not a flosser, but I'm trying to be, but I don't want it to be in my digital calendar because I'll most likely won't even look at it at the end of the night when I'm like going to floss. So that's something that I just wouldn't add in my digital calendar. But... I need to add a lunch break or I'll probably just skip over it and just like get lost in my work and just, you know, forget that I need to eat food. So I take the approach of like, what are the two, three things that I need loving, gentle, 
support or reminders around in my digital calendar and just starting there and just starting adding a couple of things and then maybe growing. Does that feel good? What are your thoughts? (laughs) My thoughts are that sounds great. My immediate like, but, but (laughs) little part of me (laughs) is that time when you are best of intentions putting things in your calendar and it doesn't go accordingly. And I can sometimes feel like I failed or I don't know how to realistically calendar for myself. Yeah. Amazing question. And this is a mindset shift. We've been taught that if something goes in our calendar, we have to do it at that time in the exact amount of thing or it's a fail. Yeah. And so I always say that your schedule is not supposed to go according to plan. It's not, you're not supposed to follow your schedule. I rarely follow my, like when I plan out my week, like every single day I'm in my calendar, like moving things around like a puzzle and trying to figure out where they fit based on how I feel in that moment. So that is, you know, part of what I teach in the course is not only just setting up your schedule, but how to actually use it in a way that feels good and makes sense and flows with your mind, your body, your life, because it's not supposed to go according to plan. You're not supposed to just set it and forget about it. And then it magically happened just like you thought it would, because unfortunately, we can't predict the future. (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting that so many of us respond that way. I mean, I I really think it's like latent, like corporate outlook calendar panic. Like, and, and you know, I transitioned over ten years ago from corporate life, but I still, you know, there are some things I still, ha- you know, have to do. You know, there's some things yeah. I have to do in my calendar, but like a lot of us. I can reschedule and I sometimes have to be like, Hey Becca, you can reschedule that. And I go, Oh really? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It's my life. And what? I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean that again, that is a part of the course too, is your, is your mindset around your digital calendar. And like we, one of the mindsets that a lot of us have is that it controls us when in fact, most of the things that we add in our calendar are because we added it. So we're actually in much more control of our schedules and our time than, than what we feel. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I want to know how you, how you do it. Do you have like a weekly ritual for calendaring? I think I saw on Instagram today, you said like certain days have certain themes. I just love to know if you could just give us a snapshot of how you do your digital calendaring. Yeah. So I have three main like steps that I talk about. The first one is creating your weekly template. So I could go on a whole rant about the ideal week exercise. I think it's trash. Oh, (laughs) that's a podcast episode coming soon. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, we'll listen in. We'll listen in. (laughs) I'll say that you know the ideal week coming back to ovulation, right? Like the ideal week is like if we were ovulating all year, all, all year round or all month yes. round. <laughs> right. It's not yeah. respecting our seasonal cyclical way. Exactly. 
So when we, I've, you know, changed the language because language is really important uh, to weekly template. So it's just your average week in this season of your life. And so depending on the season of your life, how much you put into it is like what time on average you wake up, what time on average do you eat your meals? What, like, what are your natural rhythms in this cycle of your life? And then what are your responsibilities? So, you know, doing that foundational work and then reflecting that into your digital calendar into like a repeatable weekly template is the first step. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. And then the second step is at the beginning of every week going in moving all the things around, adding in your specific tasks. So a lot of folks time block just like work from like 10 to two or whatever. And what happens is we go to that and we're like, oh, let me just check my email. And then three hours goes by. And then we've done all of these mm -hmm. like fire putting out tasks. So at the beginning of the week, getting really intentional, like what are my priorities? What are my intentions? What are the tasks that need to get done? And putting all of that into your calendar on like with your weekly template. And mm -hmm. then the third part is using it as an a, accountability buddy, using it as your BFF, using it as your way of being in attunement with yourself throughout the day. And so I have it pinned on the top of my browser and throughout the day, as I wake up an hour later than my average weekly template time, I move it down and I move all the rest of the stuff down or I move things over to the next day. And that's how I go through every single day is just moving things around in real time to when they happen based on how I'm feeling in the moment. Whoa. <laughs> Do you have any sort of calendaring practice around your cycle? Oh, yeah, totally. So one of my calendars on there is my cycle. And then I also have the moon. So I, I yeah, you know, follow astrology and my cycle are the two things. And so I personally, like right now, as I'm creating the course and, and sharing it out in the world in March, I planned out my plans with having the, the cycle and the moons. Can you be more specific? Yeah. So right now I'm ovulating, which, hey, I'm glad I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> In two weeks, February 14th, I'm on my cycle. And so that week I'm sort of just like scheduling. So between now and then I'm recording podcast episodes and finishing up with the content of the course. So it's like all of that external stuff. And then when I'm on my cycle, it's tweaking the internal things, maybe starting to like write some of that marketing copy, whatever, and just scheduling things out. And so really giving myself like an easy week that week and it's carnival. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I get back and ovulation again is when I want to do, I want to do something like really fun around it. I haven't yet figured it out, but I want to like, literally it's in my calendar for like fun hype, something like the week of when the, the course is going to go live. So that's what I'm welcoming the universe in to tell me. So yeah, like I, I plan projects around that. The weekly template doesn't change based on my cycle I just change it when I plan that week and I'm like, oh, I'm on my cycle, delete a bunch of stuff and 
just make it easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about for those of us that tend to overschedule ourselves and then like have a panic attack about it? There's a proactive way of shifting this and a reactive way of shifting over committing, right? Like reactively when you're overscheduled, overcommitted, it's like when you get to that point, like actually just canceling stuff and moving stuff. Like you're maybe meetings are on top of each other or like tasks are on top of each other, which is one of my rules for my calendar is nothing overlaps. That's like a hard rule that I hold. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like if in that case, right, reactively cancel stuff, please do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then also like the proactive way is going in deeper and figuring out like what is the underlying reasoning or like stuff there of that's causing the overwhelm or the overcommitment or the overscheduling. Again, maybe like you could set some sort of I, I always use the analogy of like bumpers in bowling lanes. Like what are your bumpers? Is it like two meetings a day or is it like, you know, five to-do list items a day, like whatever the thing is and really doing your best to like stay within those bumpers so you can get to the end of the lane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find that I tend to overschedule when I'm ovulating Um, And I'm not someone with a consistent cycle. So yeah, I have PCOS. So my, this is really frustrating for me as someone who would love to plan like a downtime, like two down, two days of downtime when my bleed comes and like, but I have such inconsistencies with my body right now. Yeah. And so I find I can sometimes get into like a uh-oh because I'm uh, – and I also ovulate differently now, like actually inconsistently. And so I will like – and also I forget. And I'm like, I feel so great. I have no idea why. This yeah. is clearly my life now. So Do yes to it. everything. <laughs> Sounds great. And then I'm bleeding early or I'm taking forever to bleed. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, I did it again. You know, self-flagellation thoughts. So that's, that's hard for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you, you know, to comfort yourself, right? Nurture yourself, love yourself in those moments instead of like doing the the inner work to like not totally make it worse, which is my tendency as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So interrupting that like pattern of, you know, self flagellation or berating yourself in in that way but yeah I mean do you think that there is like some sort of average in your cycle of course it comes different but like is it it's like very yeah I've been like estimating weeks like this week at some point the energy will shift yeah and probably like eight out of ten times I'm right yeah. But it can't be down to the day. Yeah. Because like my dream, my my former life, again, this is like my maiden life, you know, I could literally schedule two days in the red tent kind of vibe. Yeah. And maybe one day I will. I don't think so. My body's different now. But maybe I just got to let that go and find a way to at least schedule in some more flexibility in the approximate time. But really, 
what that is is like probably a two-week period where I'm more on and a two-week period where I'm more off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty normal for anyone that bleeds as well. Like it's not just those two days. Like I know that like leading up to my cycle, like I'm really, really anxious, depressed. Like I'm not in that space at all to, to do the most, like, or even to like really talk to people. And so, yeah, yeah, I think working like zooming out maybe a little bit more than just like those like two days or like the five or whatever, like working maybe on a bigger cycle might help. Yeah. I'm very proud of myself. I was scheduling um, an interview with another person for this podcast and we both did this thing where we like, well, if we want to talk sooner, we can do it this day. And then I said, yeah, but I don't, I think I'm going to be pretty luteal. And she was like, oh yeah, no, no, let's do it. Like, let's delay it three weeks. And I was like, yes, let's delay it three weeks. And I thought that was just really triumphant of yes. both of us to be like, wait, a conversation about a topic that we both feel really jazzed about and want to connect on where we don't effort ourselves to like total depletion should wait. Yeah. 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 So respecting the cycle, respecting. Totally. I think that's what it all comes back to for the most part is like, just like acknowledging our bodies, our minds, our spirits, Mm. our environment and working with it instead of trying to force it into something else. Yeah. And a lot of that process can be really intense in the like divesting from like productivity hustle culture and being like I'm not a robot machine computer being and maybe at first being like I'm sad I'm not a robot machine computer being because part of me really wants to be at that level but I'm not okay I've grieved that I've raged at the man or whatever and now wow what's left actually a lot a lot that can be done with our time and our energy and the way we operate. And I, I, I just really, it's important to say different levels of time privilege exist, right? Like there are some beings out there who are just like have less control than others around when they can, when they work, you know, when they have spare time, how much they can effort when they're bleeding, you know, and those of us, you know, we just use what we can with what we have. And that is radical enough. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's about not that it's like a math problem, right? Like I was mentioning percentages earlier, but like it sort of kind of can be a math problem of like, what, what percentage do I have with my body and my environment in my world around me my identity like you said that's that's a can be really hard full of grief confronting and potentially Mm -hmm. even painful like the way that our society has stolen our time honestly from us oh that just like gave me chills Yeah. Yeah. There's also like ancestral healing afoot, you know, like I have a partner who I've openly interviewed on this podcast who is descended from like poor Italian immigrants who the identity is really tied up in like how much they can do with their bodies every day. And it just feels frankly unsafe to him a lot of the time to do less. Yeah. 
and he's doing the fucking valiant work of of healing that story and just watching that in him and being like wow this is this is a many layered onion that um yeah yeah it takes time yeah the irony there that it it takes time to heal time (laughs) yeah it is true and I'm so glad that you acknowledge the healing and the work that he's doing. You know, it's labor. It can be labor on top of the labor, right? Of of healing, and what I mentioned in the beginning, like time is intergenerational, is is real. Yeah. Yeah, and we're doing it for the future. We're doing this healing for the future. Yeah. What comes? What comes with that? Yeah. Like you inviting your little human into slow dinners and do nothing weekends. Like you were making a massive difference. Thank you. I really appreciated that reframe up front. There, oh, there's, there is something about the relentless, relentless growing of a human that you love to really get you in a place of confronting time because this whole idea of like, there was this TikTok, whatever meme going around this past summer of like, you only get 18 summers with your child. And it was really intense. It was really intense. Um, and I, I had issues with it, but I also heard what they were saying, which is like, here it is, here it is. And so I find that I sort of call that to mind when I, you know, my child is three and a half and her body is growing rapidly. And here I am like, just really wanting to be with that as much as I want to be with my work and all the other things. So yeah. yeah. Just like holding yeah. holding the paradox is really like we have all of the time and yet we have no time. <laughs> right. Oh, there's this phrase I like to use like life is short, but life is also long. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So sitting and I feel like in that that's space. like the elder wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the secret, maybe. <laughs> life is short, but life is also long. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why I love, I'm studying Buddhism. I went to Thailand, meditated with the monks. Like, I'm really getting into the spiritual component more. Wow. And yeah, like, it all comes for me. Like, this paradox can be like, all up in the head and the philosophy and the strategies and all of the stuff, but all the simplicity of, of all of this is you just have to take a breath. You just have to yeah. and come back. And then yeah. that's the little moment, the glimmer of, of like contentment. Yes. Right. I want to hear more from this spiritual space <laughs> from you. I, I, I crave it really. Like it, we make it so complicated and then you come all over, all the way around to be like, well, here it is though. (laughs) Here it is right here in front of us. Yeah. And that, that's my one-on-one clients. Like I always share that. I'm like, whatever, you know, me explaining the digital calendar process, like all these things that can get so heady and it's just like, but you know, the solution always is just to breathe. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful note to end on. Becca, thank you so much for this chat and the coaching. Thank you. Appreciate 
you in this. I want to point folks to two blog posts that I really enjoyed from you that we didn't get to cover. One is about, and we'll link in the show notes, one is about human design types and time. I hype human design a lot. It's been really powerful for me. So you have a great sort of like by human design type, how to look at time. And then you just published one about time tools for people with ADHD, which I have pretty sure that's me. And um, that's been pretty radical for me to come to this realization around ADHD and neurodivergence and, and how embracing it is actually helping my relationship with time. And so you have some tools and I already downloaded two of them. Thank you from that blog post. And then, okay, so two other things. You have a podcast called Not Too Productive. Go listen. There's episodes are popping off. Love it. So impressed. And then you have this course coming called Digital Calendars for Humans, which we will link in the show notes and follow the Holistic Time Coach. Is that what your Instagram is? Yeah. Great. Follow Becca there. Anything else you want to share before we close out? No, just take a deep breath. (laughs) It's like my reminder always to myself. For me, just like you can take a deep breath right here, right now and come back. Let's do that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. In a time when our attention is being pulled in so many directions, I feel honored you chose to devote some of yours here with me. If you want to check out show notes or listen to past episodes, go to belongingpodcast.com. And if you like what we talk about here and want to know more, you can subscribe to my newsletter at beccapiastrelli.com. I'll be with you again soon.